0: I think you knew um, that they were going to be our recipient. Did you hear the fast one they pulled on me Friday? No, I didn't. What happened? They the, the Honor Flight board got together and said, okay, if they're going to raise the money for a flight, we'll do it, but we want to do something special. So they're going to have an Honor Flight. Our Honor Flights carry 84 veterans. Every veteran on the flight is going to be a Purple Heart recipient.
1: Uh, fantastic.
0: Is that unbelievable or what?
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that so often when we pay attention to what's going on nationally and we get caught up in the controversies and the news cycle of the day, when you take a step back, the people who are really making a difference um, are, are the local communities who are taking care of their own. And that on our flight that you just described, um, that is uh, beautiful and it's a good thing.
0: Well, we were out there at the lighting of the Christmas tree, uh there on Broadway at Steve Shine's office and and it was five o'clock. We were gonna light the tree at six. And at five o'clock I had Kayla and I had all the members of the Honor Flight Board. Uh they're in our makeshift studio up on the second floor of Shine and Harden. And they dropped it on me right then what they were doing with the flight. I was I was dumbfounded. You know, my my first thought was what an absolutely incredible idea. Um, and you know there there are a lot of our our flights around the country, Philip. That once they got through their World War II people, they kind of folded up shop, which is fine. That's what they did. But we didn't, and we've kept going. And now we're we're knee deep into Vietnam veterans. Uh, but you know every once in a while there's still a World War II here or there, or a Korean here or there, and certainly a lot of people from the Vietnam conflict. And my first thought was, what an absolutely incredible way of doing this. And then the very next thought that hit me is how are you going to find all these people based on Purple Hearts and how are you going to get them all at the same place, same time for the same flight? I mean, this is going to be a Herculean task.
1: Yeah, it's going to take a lot of effort. Um, but I'm, I'm certain that the guys who benefit from this, uh, the ones who have an opportunity to get on that flight, they're going to appreciate all of the effort and hard work that went into it. And I think it's going to be uh, that much sweeter because of this.
0: Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I really hope that that ends up being how it is that that comes off. So there in, are you in D.C. right now?
1: I'm in Washington D.C. I'm actually uh, on, so I'm a stone's throw from the White House. I'm on the side of the road. I, I had to pull over to take your call, drop everything <laughs> for for Pat Miller.
0: So are you? <laughs> okay, the, my phone says it's Pat Miller calling. I can pull over and take this call, or I could speed to the White House and say, let me in right away, or I could run as far out of town as I can. So I, I, I appreciate the fact that you did it. Um, are you are you going to stay there for Thanksgiving?
1: So normally I would be getting out of Dodge, and I take every excuse I can to get out of D.C., but uh, my family, my parents, and uh, my younger brother are coming here to D.C., and the important thing is that they're going to be doing all of the cooking, so I'm the beneficiary here. I don't have to travel. I just have to give everybody a place to stay. Where,
0: where is all that happening? You don't have room in your apartment for that, do you?
1: It's going to be tight, but, uh, you know, I'll report back next Tuesday. on
0: how. Holy cow. If if, I, <laughs> if if somebody burps the wrong way, you might just blow the bricks off the wall. you <laughs> know. So,
1: Luckily, we all like each other. So,
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, Philip, and of course, Philip Wegman always has such great insight. I sit out here and I pontificate and tell you all the stuff that a short, fat, ugly guy in Fort Wayne thinks. Philip is right there in the mix, and he sees a lot, gets some angles that we don't see. And I wanted to ask you, um, it seems like as soon as the Republicans realized they were going to be in control of the House, um, all I've heard— is now, okay, well, now it's our turn to take the horns on some things. It's our turn uh, to go after some things and to say, we're now going to oversee all of these congressional investigations. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, for, for me, call me a wuss if you want. I, I, I thought they came out of the box a little too hard, a little too fast. Uh, I mean, I, I think that they should be able to investigate what they want the way they want, go after some of the people that have irreverently gone after others with no material witness or anything. But it just seems to me like they're, they're just wanting to go after it and do it just for doing it. And I don't know that that's better for the country either.
1: Yeah, you outlined the risk perfectly, because no matter how many investigations of Hunter Biden or the chaotic withdrawal of Afghanistan or the origin of COVID occur, those investigations are not going to bring down the cost of gas They're not going to solve the inflation problem. They're not going to be able to undo any of the harms that have already occurred. And so the risk for Republicans is that while each of these investigations is worthwhile and important, the risk is that all of these uh, investigations suck up all the oxygen. And you go into 2024, and the argument the Republicans have is, one of, well, you know, we showed you um, some of the shadier things that were going on, uh, but we haven't shown you what we would do if we regained the Senate or mm-hmm. the White House. Mm-hmm. And so that's the that's the tightrope that Republicans are going to have to walk. Their answer on this is, well, we can both investigate the Biden administration and also legislate. The investigations are just a small portion of what it is that we do. But you're right. They were right out the gate. They were aggressive. They were loud. And um, it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out uh, because, you know, the investigation can't um, advance at the expense of, you know, solving some of these other problems that the American people clearly want solved.
0: Yeah. And and from my view, Philip, and and again, and, and, you know, and I've had somebody say to me, well, you and Philip obviously talk through all your points before you go on the air together. Uh, no, we don't, <laughs> which is why sometimes he says, well, Pat, I understand what you're saying, but here's what I think, and then you sound much smarter than me. Uh, but but here's here's one of my fears, Philip, that if we come out, and we, I'm talking about Republicans in the House, and we are so doggedly determined that we are going to flip congressional investigations on their head and go after this one and that one and that one and this one. Look, some stuff needs to be investigated. But if investigation becomes the main thrust, the mainstay platform of everything that your party's doing, that's very dangerous because that's not where all of our problems lie. Some, yes, but we got to do something about prices and gas and this and that and making sure that we can hold our head up again on on a foreign stage again. And here's the thing, Philip. Here's my huge fear, and you got to talk me down from the cliff now. Here's my huge fear. We go after this, and we're so— Determined, we're we're full of so much vitriol because of the way Republicans have been treated in the investigations so far. Who can be on committees? Who can't be on committees? And all of that. Um, We might we might put such a taste in people's mouths that we might not gain the Senate in two years either.
1: Yeah, Um, Republicans are going to have to contend with that, but it's difficult, right? Because they walked into election day thinking that they were not only going to have a red wave in the house, but they expected that they could potentially flip some seats in the Senate. And then it didn't happen. And so while the investigations might've been a smaller part of the portfolio, if they did have control of mm-hmm. Congress and they really could dictate the terms of some of these negotiations with the white house on spending on, um, debt and deficit, that sort of thing. Uh, then, maybe investigations would take more of a, a backseat. But because they only have a majority in one House, this is an opportunity for them, uh, in their minds, to put some points on the board. And the other thing in all of this is that um, soon-to-be House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and of course that could, that could change. Uh, he was run out of the job last time. But Kevin McCarthy has to placate a pretty conservative, Pretty riled up, angry um, right wing. These are guys in the House, Freedom Pockets, who frankly come from pretty conservative congressional districts. And so it's no skin off of their nose if uh, there isn't compromise with Democrats in the Biden White House, so long as they can get a, um, you know, a scalp to take back to their constituents. And this is the, the, the trade off here. Um, You know, Paul Ryan was much maligned when he was House Speaker for saying that Republicans needed to demonstrate that they could govern. Um, And he had a heck of a time trying to compromise with the White House when you had Republicans at the same time uh, investigating the White House. It's a difficult political problem. And I think that in order to keep his right flank happy, um, he might let them go hog wild with the investigations. Uh, but, you know, there's certainly, like you pointed out a second ago, there's a risk that, you know, maybe you talk too much about Hunter Biden, and that turns off moderates and independents, and Republicans are in the same situation in 2024 that they were, um, you know, for the last two years.
0: What, what do you think the end game could be? Do, do Republicans come in? Do they—is the first thing that they do— is go ahead and decide who's going to be on which committee and all that and just let that dust settle and then let the committees almost seem like they're going forward on their own. I mean, to where it's not like the top 3, whoever the top 3 in the house will be and they're dictating, well now we need to go after this and so now we need to do that. It, you know, would it not be would it not be more like like it if we ran committees as Democrats Uh, as Republicans, the way we wish that they would have run them as Democrats. I mean, I I get tired of all this central party deciding everything kind of a mentality, and that that has always bugged me.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly the trend line through the last couple of speakers, whether it was Boehner, Ryan, or uh, Pelosi, has been to try and concentrate power at the top rather than having um, a robust committee Uh, a robust committee system where you've got individuals who are, you know, running the show. I'm not certain that we'll see, you know, a decentralization like some hope, but um, it's that they certainly have their people in place. You know, Jim Jordan on judiciary, uh, James Comer on uh, house oversight. These guys are going to go after um, the administration and they're going to turn over rocks every chance they can get what they're going to be trying to do mainly. And I think that all Republicans are on board with this generally is they're going to say, all right, well, Joe Biden promised that he had nothing to do with his son's business dealings. Joe Biden promised that he was going to be on the up and up and restore um, our reputation on the world stage well, let's take a closer look at what Hunter Biden did in Ukraine and China. Let's take a closer look at how it was that we uh, were run out of Afghanistan. And they're basically going to try and uh, bloody the nose of the president as much as they can. Um, you know, certainly that makes compromising another thing more difficult. But uh, that seems to be the marching orders of, of the Republicans currently and um, you know, to a member. They
0: came on board, at least in the House. Um, let me ask you this real quick, Philip. This is changing channels completely on you, but I've only got a minute left. With Donald Trump announcing he's running again, with with Ivanka saying, I'm not anywhere near it this time, and now with some of the large, the mega donors, the billionaires like Trump, also not hopping in and being on his side, um, are things much more tenuous this time for Trump than they were four years ago?
1: Donald Trump hopes that he can get the nomination without having to do any debates, without having to court donors, without having to do the traditional things that a Republican presidential nominee needs to do to be successful. But um, you noted a second ago, Ivanka doesn't want to be part of the show this time. There's also a number of donors who don't want to go along for the ride. And what that signals is that there's some hesitation here. And it's not just the former first family that is concerned about Trump 2.0, you've got the larger Republican ecosystem, which is saying, wait a minute, we just lost in 2022 with a lot of your hand-picked uh, candidates. We also lost in 2020. And, oh, by the way, we lost the House in 20... Or excuse me, we lost the, the, the Senate um, in, in 2018. Those are three elections that, you know, we've put L's on the board. Well, you've been at the helm. Maybe it's time to look elsewhere.
0: Yeah, well, and I and I think that's some of the writing on the wall. This is not going to be the cakewalk that I think Donald thought it would be. You know, it, it's just not. Philip got to run. Hey, listen, have a fabulous time with your family, crammed into your little Washington, D.C. apartment. And uh, if, uh, I, I don't want to read that the fire department had to come to your place there in the middle of the night and <laughs> do everything. But listen, you guys have a tremendous time. Thank you for always being a part of the Pat Miller program. Right. I appreciate you more than you know. Hey, right, thank you. I'm grateful for, for Pat Miller. Thank you, sir.